You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Crispin sets again. Here's the pitch. That's a pop-up. Duarte makes the catch. There it is. They've done it. They've done it. The Ottawa Champions have won it. They're not just the Ottawa Champions. They're the 2016 Can-Am League Champions. Welcome to the September 24th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music and was home to every single Ottawa Champions game. And of course, the Ottawa Champions are the 2016 Can-Am League Champions, the first professional sports team in Ottawa to win a championship in 21 years. And that's why we're going to start off this show by bringing on a live guest in studio with me right now is Ottawa Champions infielder Jason Coker here in studio. Jason, uh, welcome to the show and thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Dante. It's uh, really good to be in studio with you again. And so, Jason, I want to ask you, how did it feel to, to run on the field and eventually uh, hold that trophy and, and celebrate uh, you know, a long, long grind season, uh, four months being with a group of guys that you definitely had a good time together all year? Yeah, we definitely had a good time. Uh, the feeling, uh, you'll never forget every time you won a championship what that dog pile feels like, the run out there, uh, the run in from your position, um, the play that ended the game, who was who was pitching. Um, I was fortunate enough to have my GoPro with me, and so Mike Masterberti and myself uh, devised a plan on grabbing it in the eighth when we felt like we had a very comfortable lead and that this was going to be it, that we were for sure yeah. going to get it. I uh, didn't want to jinx anything and have it in the dugout and get people excited and then was able to press record right after that and go flying on the field with everybody and just jump around and celebrate and just – <laughs> Let it all out after four and a half months of uh, of grinding it out with everybody. So what did Hal Lanier say about that? Bringing the GoPro, did he? I, I was I was wondering that. I don't think Hal knew that I had it until <laughs> uh, until after the celebration, and um, you know, brought it brought it in the clubhouse. Uh, we took a selfie with it at home plate with the trophy and the flag. Uh, brought it in the clubhouse for some um, post field celebration celebrations. <laughs> um, hey, the videos were on uh, social media. Yeah, videos were on social media, fired it out to a couple people. So, Well, it was the champions had posted it as well. Of course, you guys had a great time and, and celebrating. Did you ever think that coming on as a, as a walk-on, making the team out of open tryouts, when Hal Lanier called your name, that it would end like this? That's the hope going into every season. Right. Um, it really is. If you don't want to win the championship or think you can win the championship going into the season, then there's no reason to be out there. Right. Um, the more and more that I got to experience – time with these fellas on the field off the field the more and more I knew what what a special group we had here in Ottawa um there's a couple you know big parts to having a championship caliber team and one of them's the clubhouse and we had an outstanding clubhouse on and off the field and that speaks volumes to all the teammates the coaching staff and the players that they brought in to make sure that we had a good environment and you speak of your whole season. You speak of you know coming in and wanting to win a championship with every single team. You came on, as I mentioned before, as a guy who made it out of open tryouts, and you had a chance to, to, to do so many things, and that must be so special to you. And I want to name some of them, of course, for the listeners. Hal Lanier was your manager, of course. He was ma- played in the major leagues. He managed in the major leagues. Adron Chambers won a World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals. He played uh, with Sebastian Boucher, who is you know from Ottawa and, and is, is uh, broke so many records this year. And you had a chance to, to play with Wilmer Font, who eventually got called to the Blue Jays. So uh, almost like a dream season for you. Uh, like I said, it goes back to having a great group of guys. Um, I've played baseball in, in, in Canada now for the better part of four years. And you don't get very far in baseball around Canada, especially in Ontario, without hearing <laughs> Sebastian Boucher's name. Um, the guy's been doing it for a really long time at a very high level. And uh, it was awesome to have him as one of my teammates and one of my coaches and mentors on the field as well. Um, Guys like Wilmer Font, they're just huge stepping stones from the Can-Am League back to affiliated baseball or maybe for the first time in affiliated baseball. He was a really good guy to get to, to know. Uh, always wishing Wilmer the best of luck in everything he does. Um, Adron was my roommate on the road. Great roommate. Had a lot of deep conversations with him. The guy really knows his stuff about baseball. You can tell that that baseball mind, along with his physical uh, physical abilities on the field, is what allowed him to climb that ladder all the way to play in the major leagues and then the ultimate success of winning that championship. And um, 
you know, he preached about that season and his role in it to all of us. And it, I think it just brought everyone to realize that no matter what you're playing, no matter what level you're playing, that championship, everyone's got a role. Yeah. And uh, no matter what your role is, you got to fully embrace it with a positive attitude. Um, shout out to Albert for playing for Great Britain right, right now. Another uh, awesome teammate that's gotten to go on and do something extra after champions. Um, they had a tough loss to Israel last night, but I think they'll bounce back. And um, you know, it was great seeing Albert there on the on the TV. Um, all the guys really. There wasn't one guy on this team that I wouldn't want to have back or having my teammate again. And then, like we said, playing for Hallenier, um, the guy played at the highest level for over ten years, managed at the highest level, coached at the highest level. He's been coaching independent baseball now for close to 19 years. He's won who knows how many championships. And, I, you know, he said it best, this one's sweet. And I think that he's going to remember this for a very long time, um, especially being brought to Ottawa to build this championship foundation. And then, boom, he gets that championship in, in two years. So, you know, how gave his trust and faith in me, bringing me on and then always having my back always being completely honest with me as to my role and my, uh, my situation with the team. And I can't thank him enough for everything that he did for me and for this uh, organization. Jason, does it feel kind of weird to look back to the day that you had not only uh, said to yourself and, of course, to your friends and family, I'm going to go try out for the Ottawa champions and then eventually go to open tryouts, Hal Lanier, you know, call you over, Jason, I want to talk to you, and then eventually – running onto the field and, and having a dog pile. I mean, now that you think about that in flashback, it, it feels kind of weird, doesn't it? Uh, it's definitely a, a very unique road to success. Um, and it all started with just when I decided to walk out the door that day, I had the blessings of Tash, and she said, do it, do it 100%. And from then till the last day of the season, I feel like I gave 100% or as close to it as I could um, and made – made it a great season personally for myself as well as the ultimate championship that came out of it the uh the the successes for the organization so and also jason i want to ask you about one guy a close friend of yours on the team kenny bryant who's from carolina like yourself uh it seems like you guys had a, a quite a strong friendship there and he not only was a big part to this team along with the rest of the guys in driving in runs but in the playoffs or actually before the playoffs he uh, had suffered a little bit of an injury, DH'd in the playoffs, and really didn't show that there was any type of injury as he uh, not only with the rest of the team but played excellent baseball but drove in some big runs for you guys, especially in the final game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, King, shout-out to Kenny. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Dante, I think you're always going to have a hard time remembering who's from which Carolina. But, right. Um, as long so as you, as long you're, as you you're, know. You're South, I'm, from right? Nor I'm from North Carolina. He's from, from South Carolina. Char I'm from Charlotte. Kenny's from Charleston. Charleston. Lives right. in Wilmington now. So we're both Carolina guys. Um, we knew a lot of the same guys growing up playing college ball. Right. Um, so we, we had a lot in common to begin with. Easy conversation when you go into a clubhouse. And for me, not knowing anybody. And Panthers Kenny, fan, too. Well, huge Panthers fan. Uh, big game coming up this Sunday. Yep. Versus, <laughs> versus the Vikings. Go Panthers. Um, <laughs> so we, we had some in common uh, just by the baseball world being as small as it is. Uh, yeah. I didn't play in the Can-Am, so I didn't have exposure to a lot of these players. Kenny knew some of them. But I, we were able to connect and uh, always find a way to have a good time, whether it be in the clubhouse, uh, on the road, just hanging out outside the field. Um, and then to watch him do what he did all year, and to believe in his approach and his philosophy at the plate and see it pay off day in, day out, um, speaks a lot to Kenny. And then, yeah, that the little tweak there at the end of the season, uh, he hopped right on it, didn't didn't delay at all in making sure it got taken care of with, uh, with RJ and the training staff. And then uh, to watch what he did in the playoffs was, for lack of a better term, special. Yeah. Um, never having been in a playoff situation and then to rise to the occasion – speaks uh speaks volumes for Kenny as a as a player and um what he has driving him every day to show up to the yard and it was fun to watch it was a lot of fun to watch and be a part of that's Jason Coker here with us in stu studio of the Ottawa Champions I wanted to ask you about something that doesn't happen too often in professional sports of course you guys were down 2-0 in a five game series going into their ballpark Hal Lanier had said it in his speech doesn't happen too often that you go into the other team's park and win three straight games 
What, what can you tell us about that? Uh, and going in to Rockland in the third game, the fourth game, and the fifth game, what, what was your guys' approach in, and just trying to take it one step at a time? Um, our approach was win three before they did. Yeah. Um, you obviously had to take it one game at a time, but it was win three games before they did. Uh, we had a team meeting kind of in the beginning of playoffs in the first series against New Jersey, a players-only meeting, and we all got together and just said, all right, guys, we got a special group. We got a really talented group. Now let's go out there and do something about it. And two dogfights against Rockland at yeah. home, you know, the two tough losses, but they weren't spirit-crushing losses. No. They were like, you know what? Like, we were in that game with them, <laughs> and we should have beat them or, you know what? They got us today, and then it was just like going into a – sorry about that. It was just like going into another game with them um, in game three, and we got them. Yeah. And then in game four, we kicked them. Yeah. And then in game five, I don't think anybody had a a moment of doubt in their mind um, that that was our game, 100% for the taking. And, and uh, sorry, my phone's on loud there. Uh, <laughs> so Hey, it's good radio. But anyways, yeah, um, you know, Hal said it, special, awesome moment, and, you know, that's what it's all about. You go in there, you kick them, and you say, we're the champions, and now we are the champions, now, and that's what it's all about. Now, Jared, Schle- now Jared Schleyhuber had, had almost tied that game, but before you go, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, one more question. If you could take one moment other than winning the final game, what would it be, that you know, your favorite moment this season? Um, aside from all the like fan interaction and the community service we were able to do and be a a huge part of the Ottawa community, um, you know, I, I just, there's some times you just can't take back getting to know the guys. Um, you know, there was no real turning point or, or maybe defining moment throughout the regular season. Um, just getting that opportunity and then having that support for me the whole year was huge. And then just watching it all come together at the end. And that's going to end this interview. Jason, thank you so much for coming in the studio. It was an absolute pleasure. Hey, thanks, Dante. And uh, we'll see you around this winter. If I ever need you, I know where to call you. But coming up next, we'll be joined with Sportsnet Taub Steve to talk about the Blue Jays. That's all here on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. Hi, this is Billy Horn from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music and home to every single Ottawa Champions game. Before, I was talking with a live guest in studio. That was Jason Coker of the Ottawa Champions. He came uh, all the way to the station to talk about the champion season and winning the Can-Am League Championship, and now... Uh, that's almost a good segue to this segment as we're going to bring on Sportsnet's Tao of Steve. And uh, Tao, I, I welcome you to the show, of course, but also you had a chance to watch uh, some Champions games. And uh, what did you think of their big run? Oh, it was a, it was a great run. It was, it was great fun. And and certainly having the uh, the, the larger crowds and uh, at some of those games, uh, it, was, it was a really great finish to the season. Um it was a it was a bit of an odd one in the sense that uh, uh, of the uh, six games that they needed to win the championship, I think they only won one at home. Um, but uh, they they certainly worked some magic on the roads. But uh, it was it was uh, it, it was definitely uh, a good showing by them and just fun baseball. And what and also since you had a chance to watch so many games, what did you think of just the, the level of play compared from the regular season to the playoffs, and also uh, going back to Eric Gagne's start? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think the uh, the level of play in general, I think, in the Can Am League has really uh, improved over the last handful of years. I I was talking to someone at the ballpark about the fact that I remember when the Ottawa Rapids were the Can Am team and. And you know uh, the, the the quality of ball when when they were uh, in the circuit was was a lot uh, lower than what you see now. Um, you know there was uh, there was still a, a handful of, of there were there were some errors. There was uh, a real crucial um, uh, there was a real crucial throw where uh, Matt Helms missed the cutoff man and and. Uh, 
and uh, two runs scored as a result, and it really kind of opened things up in that game one of the championship series. But uh, having said that, that happens in big league ball with guys missing the missing the cutoff man. So uh, it was it was fun, um, you know, and especially down the stretch, I think watching Sebastian Boucher, uh, who was just really dialed in towards the end of the season, he he was uh, great to watch, and and certainly uh, hit a. Hit one home run, anyways, that I saw, and, and put a put a charge into a handful of balls. That's Sportsnet's Tao of Steve here with us on Around the Diamond, and that's why I want to move over to the Blue Jays. Of course, they've kind of fallen off from their division lead. Boston has won eight in a row. They're now eighty nine and sixty four on the season. The Jays are first in the wild card race, eighty three and sixty nine. They're out of it for a little bit. They've kind of stuck in there. Uh, you've had a chance to cover um, the Jays this whole season. I mean, what's been the difference between the start? And then the mid midway through the season when they got hot, and then now they're starting to fall off. Yeah, you know, I, it it feels like the the first month of the season they played quite poorly, and the last month uh, of the season thus far they've played quite poorly. Uh, and then, you know, in the interim there were there were sort of three uh, months where I think that they kind of played to their uh, played to their level. So. Uh, I think that uh, the offense stagnated a bit in the early um, in the early going, uh, and it's definitely stagnating right now. Um, and some of that, I think, it could be injuries. I think uh, having Josh Donaldson, um, I think, is limited with his swing as he has been in recent weeks, has really had an effect on the rest of the offense. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a number of things. Donaldson, I don't think, is, is um, well enough to play up to his potential, and Batista is sort of making his way back. But uh, there's also, I think, that there is some weakness towards uh, the the bottom of the lineup, and that's really something that's uh, that's letting the team down as well. Uh, guys like Saunders and Pilar, mm-hmm. um, Melvin Upton, uh, you know, the, the, that's that's part of what is really um, making them one of the bottom third in the league in terms of offense for the past uh, two months. So, Tal, I have to ask you, you speak of uh, Melvin Upton and also uh, another guy that I want to put into that list is Francisco Lariano, two guys that they went out and acquired at the trade deadline. If the Jays don't make those moves, are they still in the same position that they are now? Uh, I think, I, I do think that those moves made them better. So, um, it's... Uh, it's it's always hard to say. Liriano's had a had a couple of good starts, uh, a couple of uh, bad ones, but I think on the on the whole, um, uh, you know, he he's pitched about as well as you would want for uh, from a fifth or sixth starter. Um, uh, Upton has has not been uh, great. He hasn't been especially good, but he has had some moments and. Uh, if you remember uh, when he came over, it was right at a moment where they ended up losing Kevin Pilar for a, a couple of weeks to the DL, and so uh, I think he was a really important person to plug into that center field spot while they had that gap, and that was really, I think, what he was brought over to be was uh, someone who was uh, essentially a really good fourth outfielder. And now that the Jays are eighty-three and sixty-nine, you have Detroit, who's eighty-two and seventy, Baltimore, who's eighty-two and seventy-one, uh, also with Seattle, who's eighty-one and seventy-two, uh, along with Houston as well. Um, if the Jays do make the playoffs and they and they don't fall as much as they have and, and keep that first wild card spot with either Detroit, Baltimore, Houston, out of all those teams, which one would you like the Jays to play first? Well, I think. You always have to be careful about uh, what you wish for when you're picking another team. I, I, I think they match up quite poorly against uh, Houston, um, and uh, so I, I would be especially concerned about that. Um, the Orioles, I think, is a team that they've played well against, and, and frankly, I, I think the Orioles are a team that has been as problematic as the Jays have been in the second half. They actually have scored fewer runs than the Blue Jays, and they were supposed to be a monster offense that just outslugged everybody. Um, so, uh, so you know, possibly the Orioles, the, uh, the Tigers are in that mix as well. Um, uh, 
to be honest, I, I, I mean, I'd feel good about the, the Jays' chances against any of the teams, but, uh, you know, the one that I would have the most concern about would be the Astros. Sportsnet's Tao of Steve here with us on Around the Diamond. And Tao, uh, due to that question, I want to ask you, one-game playoff, wild card, who do you start? Well, it's funny that you ask because I actually do have something coming up on Sportsnet shortly, uh, which, which n- talks not only about that, um, it touches on it in, in brief, uh, but also talks about the fact that it is a question. It is something that is kind of a nice luxury to have for the Blue Jays, which is that they legitimately have three guys who are pitching, uh, if not like staff bases and certainly like um, uh, number two pitchers who are performing very well. So uh, having said that, I think that um, that uh, Aaron Sanchez is definitely your, your ace and he is the guy who you would want to go with in, in – any game that uh, is a uh, must-win or a uh, uh, win-or-go-home game. And, you know, the Blue Jays, I think, are set up fairly well in the sense that uh, if they have to do tiebreakers or if they have to do um, the the wild card and then start into the um, league division series, they they do have half and they do have Estrada who can line up in behind um, uh, line up in behind Sanchez and be, I think, probably as good a quality as, as uh, any other team's uh, second and third uh, starters could uh, could offer. And, of course, Sportsnet's Tao of Steve just, uh, does write uh, for Sportsnet. And you mentioned that you do have an article coming out in just a couple hours or so. But by the time that uh, this airs, it will most likely be on Sportsnet.ca. So can you give us a little sneak peek uh, about what this article is going to be about? Yeah, it's it's really just that about the the idea of the depth of the rotation and the and the fact that the Blue Jays are are well served by that. And even if things get into uh, the most chaotic uh, of a series of tie breaks or or what have you, uh, you know, or if the Blue Jays are playing into that last weekend to try and assure themselves a playoff spot, and they need to run out Sanchez and Estrada and Hap. Um, uh, you know, in into the last weekend, that they're still uh, that they're there's they still do have some depth in their pitching. It's maybe something that not every other team uh, necessarily has. So uh, I think that the, that that is going to be a key for them if they get into the playoffs. And I I, I think that if they're pitching. Uh, pitches as well as it has for for large chunks of the season um that i think that uh that they could actually go quite far in the in the playoffs they just need to make sure that they get there and and get through all of those um uh potential play in games first and of course tau does write for sportsnet.ca you can check out his articles by typing in on google tau of steve or uh, just go to the sportsnet.ca website follow him on twitter um, and I, I want to ask you, since you've been able to cover the AL East quite a bit, the New York Yankees have a kid named Gary Sanchez, who is a, an excellent catcher, not only at the plate, but has been good behind the plate as well. And he's pretty much carried this team 79 and 73. They were off the map. Now uh, they're just a few games out of the wild card race. This kid has not only in 40 some odd games has not only been able to impact this team, but he's been able to impact the rookie of the year race. Now, from your perspective, Obviously, Michael Former of, uh, of Detroit has also had a good season, a 3.04 ERA. But do you think that Gary Sanchez has played enough games this season in order to get the Rookie of the Year? Well, I I haven't looked at it that closely. Um, uh, but having said that, I, I think that he has probably uh, that he has probably done enough um, in, in the time that he's been up. I, it has been a pretty impressive uh, run for him and. and Wow, I, when I was on my uh, when I was on my a bit of a baseball road trip down through California, I was listening to the Blue Jays Yankees game and got the Yankees feed, and I seem to remember him hitting his eighth home run at that time, and that's just a, a few weeks ago. So what he's done over the space of a couple of months is, is pretty stunning. Um, uh, so I, I haven't looked at it that closely. I, I, I'm not filling out my ballot quite yet, but I, I would legitimately, I think, have Gary Sanchez on on a ballot for sure, just given what he's done in the short time that he's been up. And and now, Ty, you mentioned that you went through a West Coast road trip. Did you have a chance to go through Seattle at all? I didn't get up to Seattle, no. I, okay. it, it was a little too far off the beaten path. But I did do Oakland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Anaheim, uh, Arizona and San Diego. 
so it was uh, it was a, a hectic uh, trip with uh, probably too much driving and too much time spent by myself. But uh, it was it was still good fun. What did you enjoy the most about uh, going and checking out all those ballparks? Well, it's just that really, and, and seeing in in some ways, you know, where things are are very much similar and and the same, and and uh, and also seeing sort of the distinctiveness of, of some of the ballparks. Um, you know, oddly enough, I don't, the one that, uh, the ballpark that I think that I enjoyed the least was Dodger Stadium. Wow. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an aging ballpark, and uh, I think uh, the fact that it was very, very hot that day and people were doing their best to get out of the sun, it, it sort of sucked some of the energy out of the place. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I mean, uh, even I, I, I liked uh, most of the ballparks, uh, even uh, Arizona, I, I was surprised how much I, I like that and you know um, some of the new ballparks are, are, are set up really well and, and it, it's interesting to hear that the Blue Jays are really taking a look at what they can do to retrofit uh, Rogers Center and, and hopefully I think the, hopefully they will take uh, some notes from some of these stadiums you know um, uh, San Diego does a really great job of animating uh, the, the, the team's history and past and, and it's, a, it's a fun stadium to be in um, San Francisco, obviously, is just a beautiful ballpark. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, there's even a little bit of charm to uh, Oakland, uh, the uh, O.co Coliseum yeah. uh, in its own sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you talk about O.co. That was in Moneyball. They, they talked a little bit about how it was so run down. But finally, before we go, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about uh, the last series that the Jays played against Seattle and not much about the series, but as, as much about the crowd. Of course, seems like Jays fans travel pretty well now. Uh, Vancouver is not a long drive from Seattle. Jays fans went over and almost uh, were bigger fans than the Seattle fans. What did you think of that whole experience? Jays fans in Seattle and and, and them not liking the situation a little bit uh, there in the, in the ballpark. Yeah, no, I, it, it, I think with every passing year, it's become more and more of a thing. And, and it's something that I know now is probably on my bucket list of I want to go see a Jays game in Seattle at some point. So, uh, so it's impressive. I think it, you know, it certainly started with the fans from, uh, from BC, uh, going down and, and making their presence felt. And, but, uh, this was extraordinary. And I think some of the side shots when they showed a home run and you saw all of the blue Jays fans leaping up on their feet, it, it definitely feels like three extra home games, uh, for the blue Jays. And, um, it's too bad that they didn't get the sweep there, but it was certainly a lot of fun to, to watch what happened uh, in the ballpark. Um, and, you know, uh, being here in Ottawa and having uh, been at hockey games where you have uh, Canadians fans or Maple Leafs fans uh, invade, the, invade the arena, uh, you know, I, I certainly feel for those uh, Seattle fans. And, and to be honest with you, I think most of them, uh, what I saw, they took it with uh, a sense of humor. Um, they wished that there were more of their own fans there, but I think they didn't necessarily uh, begrudge the Canadians uh, for going down and, and filling their seats. Hey, Tal, you know what? You're right about that. Thanks so much for coming on Around the Diamond, and uh, best of luck to the Jays, yourself, the rest of the way uh, through the, tre- uh, the stretch, and we'll talk to you once uh, they make the playoffs. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. Always great to talk. That was Sportsnet's Tao of Steve here on Around the Diamond. Coming up next, we'll be joined with Antoine Richardson of Great Britain and a former Yankees outfielder that's coming up next on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107. Hi, this is second baseman Albert Cartwright from the Ottawa Champion Baseball Club. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Joined with me for this segment is Antoine Richardson. Antoine has played in the major leagues with the Braves and Yankees, is now representing Great Britain at the World Baseball Classic. Antoine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And Antoine, I wanted to start things off by asking you about the start of your baseball career going back to the Bahamas. Now, how difficult was it uh, to get scouted enough to get drafted uh, and eventually make it to the majors? Well, to be honest, I, um, I actually had to leave the country to, to create that opportunity. Um, I grew up playing fast pitch softball, 
And the only way I was out of chance to play baseball in high school was to move to America, which I did when I was 14. And uh, after making that move, I kind of gave myself opportunity to um, give myself an opportunity to be scouted, um, just like every other kid in America. And and what 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 brought you to the love of baseball when you're a kid and enough to pursue it to the major leagues? Um, you know what? I, I don't actually. I don't think I found my love for it until uh, until later on. My my because my first love was track and field, and I started to play football and I enjoyed football. And uh, I think what, what what it kind of boiled down to is my mom didn't want to see me get hit hit in football too much, and so I was like, you know what? I'll play baseball just to keep her sane. <laughs> And uh, that's Antoine Richardson joining us uh, here on Around the Diamond. And you were born, of course, in the Bahamas. You had moved over to Florida. Um, you had mentioned you played track and field. Can you tell us about some other sports that you ended up playing uh, through through your young career? Well, I, track and field was big. Um, I had an opportunity to represent um, actually Bahamas in a in a in an international in a Caribbean event called Carifta, which is like the Junior Olympics for the for the Caribbean. Um, and I kind of played some soccer, played basketball. I just got involved in as many many uh, sports as, as possible. I just think it, it gives you the opportunity to like tap into your athletic ability in, uh, in different areas. So I just did as many as I could have. And now, Antoine, I wanted to ask you about uh, a big moment for you in 2011. You became the first man uh, from the Bahamas to meet to, to reach the major leagues since Will Comer. What did that What did that uh, that moment mean to you when you eventually made the major leagues to be the first since Will Comer? Well, it basically was 28 years. So I think that when Will Comer was, was in 1983 when I was born, and um, it just for me was it was a very proud moment in the sense that it, it felt as if like we were kind of breaking a little a glass ceiling and creating an opportunity when when people um, create an opportunity uh, for young kids to believe that this is an opportunity that they can have in the Bahamas. And I, it was good to see um, my nephew when I asked him what he wants to do when he grows up. He says I want to be a baseball player. And I think before that was never an option. So. Um, I just think on so many levels, and, and the way that it um, it has it's, it's made the game grow in my country, um, it's, it's meant a lot to me. And coming from such a small country, Antoine, uh, have you got, been able to go, uh, go back and maybe do a little camps here and there, and, and help help the younger generation to build a bigger baseball population in the Bahamas? Well, I've had the opportunity to go back. I've had the opportunity to go back. I, I try to go home and train every off season, if unless. Um, like last year, I was hurt, so I didn't have the opportunity to do. But um, but I go and and train every off season, so I could be around the kids, so they could see me, they could ask questions. And I think with them seeing me, it makes it it, it makes their dream a little closer. Because when they look at me, I'm five, I'm five eight, maybe a buck a buck seventy, soaking wet. And so they like, if this guy can do it, anybody can do it. So um, I think um, you know, being around them and kind of just encouraging them and and just. Being a normal a normal person, you know what I mean, and and, they, and I think when they see that, they, that that gives them a lot of confidence in, in achieving their dream. Former Yankee Antoine Richardson joining us here on Around the Diamond. I wanted to ask you about uh, the early parts of your career. Of course, you were drafted uh, by the Giants, and that was the fourth team, uh, I believe, in five years that you had been drafted by. What can you tell us about? You know, I mean, how difficult was it for you to decline uh, four different teams? Of course, Arizona, Baltimore. Uh, twice and eventually be signed by the Giants. Did you had kind of declined to go keep going and pursuing school a little bit more? Um, you know what? It when I had the opportunity to just kind of kind of reflect on it and sit back, it was it was a very easy decision. I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for pro ball uh, mentally and physically. And um, you know, I had a I had a, a very strong background. My family that was really rooted in education, and uh, you know, my grandmother was a very influ- influential figure in my life. Um, was really wanted me to, to do school, and I think that's what made the decision easy. And um, you know, it was probably the best decision I ever made in my life because, like I said, I wasn't ready any of those years physically, and especially I wasn't ready mentally to deal with a minor league season and go through some of the ups and downs that I, that you do as a minor leaguer. And of course, Antoine, you had a chance to play an independent ball, 27 games in 2009 with Schaumburg. Before that, you were in Double A with the Giants. You got released, and then you went to independent ball. Eventually, got signed back. I believe, uh, back into uh, affiliated balls. So um, when some players kind of tell me, you know, they feel like uh, independent ball is is a dark hole and it's almost pretty much the end of their career, but you managed to get back out of it and into affiliated ball and then to the major leagues. Um, when you first made your first trip to independent ball, what was going through your head in order to get back? Um, you know what? I actually didn't even know what to expect, to be honest. And I got a, I got a good story for you, actually. Um, I think... 
in, in independent ball is what kind of changed my career for me. Um, when I when I got to independent ball, I um, I had met I was in the outfield one day. We were we were we were taking a batting practice, and I was like looking at everybody like, oh, we look like a men's softball team. And one of my teammates at the te- time, his name was Kelly Hunt. He looks at me and he's like, he's like, he's like, all we do as baseball players is complain. He's like, that's all we do. And I, uh, so for a second, I, was, you know, I tried to defend myself, and I was like, oh, well, I don't complain. And I was like, you know what I do? And he just he's like, Antoine, I'm not trying to trying to put it on you, but he's like, think about it. When we we complain about the spread, we complain about the weather, we complain, <laughs> we put our foot in the ice tub, and we like it's too cold. And I was like, you know, he's right. And I think what I learned more than anything else was like, you know what, like just go back and play this game that you love like you back in Little League and realize that, like, all the things don't matter. So it's a matter of, like, change. it helped me change my attitude and perception, perspective, I mean, of of the game again. I felt like I, I felt like a kid again when I was playing. I was able to enjoy the game for what it was and not kind of get caught up in all of the, out, the outside interference. So um, for me, independent ball was a special place in my heart because it it, it brought me back home, for, for lack of a better So once... So I have to ask you, once you got to Schaumburg, was there anyone there that kind of helped you get back in into the affiliated systems? Um, honestly, I don't know. I just know I, I, got a, I got a phone call from the Braves. But I just, um, I, I guess, you know what I have to say, all my teammates and my coaches, because, I mean, one, my, my, my teammates made me comfortable, and my coaches are the same. They made me comfortable as well. And, and we, had a, we had a good group of guys that, that hit together, and, and, we, and we cared about each other. So I think that's what it was more than anything else, just – just a, a group of guys that allowed you to be yourself. And now we move on to your time in the in the Brave system. You played in the outfield <laughs> with uh, some pretty good outfielders, one of them being Jason Hayward. And, of course, you're a speedy guy playing center field. You've relied a lot of, on your speed uh, throughout your career, as you mentioned before, five foot eight, not the biggest guy. What was it like playing with a guy like Jason Hayward who has speed at the at the size of six foot five and can definitely swing the bat? You know, it's just... It's, it's always it was just a good experience to learn from from guys like that, and, and obviously he's a, he's a little younger than me, but he had a lot, he had a wealth of knowledge, you know, being in the big leagues for a little bit of time. Um, but you know, it just it just puts the game in perspective, man. And it like you know what, like you could be five eight, you could be six five, and you know what, like still have the ability to get to the major leagues and, and be a productive player. So for me, it was just a matter of realizing it didn't really matter how big or how small you were. Like your dream is always alive as long as you have a vision. And so I have to ask you, going back to, as you talked about an independent ball, of course, your good friend Albert Cartwright is playing for the Ottawa Champions, uh, coming off a big championship run. Uh, what would you be your main advice to, to anyone coming into indie systems and, and, and trying to get back to where they were before? I think it's just have an open mind um, and understand that, like, you know, it's, it's something that you're doing to get yourself back into affiliate ball. Have fun and and play hard and, and try to improve every single day. Sometimes I think you know it's, you have a tendency to maybe get complacent, but you know work hard, try to improve every every single day. And I think you know if you have the tools and the talent, like you give yourself that opportunity to to get back into affiliated ball and, and achieve your dream again to the big leagues. And once you got called up to the big leagues with the Braves, Antoine, what was the what was the biggest moment for you? Of course, you got your first hit, you got your first stolen base. Those are two big ones at the at the top of your list. But I mean, what was it like? What, and what was obviously the difference between minor league ball and then the big leagues? You know what? Um, it wasn't much of a, a difference in terms of the, of the game. And I just felt like, you know, obviously you're playing in bigger stadiums and you heard all the time, brighter lights and whatnot. Um, but I guess it was just, you know, when you get a chance to reflect and think of like everything that you've been through to get to that point and all the people that have supported you and been behind you the whole way and believed in you. So I think more than anything else, I was just happy for the people in my life that were so happy that I, they could see me achieve this goal because I think for them, like, all the blood, sweat, and tears they put into me to, to allow this to happen, you know, I was, I was excited about that. That was the most exciting thing, watching everybody around me be excited. Of course, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll be still joined with Antoine Richardson of Great Britain and uh, former Major League outfielder with the New York Yankees. And we're going to talk about some of the biggest moments in his career with a couple clips as Antoine Richardson actually had a chance to score the winning run on Derek Jeter's final hit at Yankee Stadium. That was a walk-off hit uh, just three years ago. We'll see what he says about that. Coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ.
Hi, this is Daniel Cordero from the Ottawa Champions Baseball Club, and you are listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. And of course, you were drafted by the Baltimore Orioles, I believe, twice in your career. You had declined, and then eventually you were picked up by the Orioles. So a little bit of a funny moment there to eventually sign with them uh, uh, a couple of years down the road. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it was funny how things come come full circle, man. Um, but yeah, got 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 drafted twice by the Orioles, and then end up um, signing with the Orioles in 2012. And the funny part about it that when I was with the, with the Braves in 2011, the scouting director at the time was the same guy that was with the Orioles that drafted me two times with the Orioles. And um, right before I got called up, we had a conversation. So it was, it was, like, it was amazing how things kind of go full circle. But, you know, I, I enjoyed my time with, with, with all these organizations that's given me the opportunity. I've learned a lot. You know, some things good, some things bad, but they all different different learning experiences. You, you, Antoine, you also eventually had a chance to play for the New York Yankees, one of the biggest organizations uh, in the world you signed with them. You made it to the major leagues. What was it like for you to play for for such a big team in the New York Yankees and eventually uh, get your get your first hit as well? You know what? It, it, was, uh, it was. I mean, for lack of better, it was cool. I mean, the fact is, like, you know, probably the most storied franchise in, in all the sports. And um, I think there's a sense of pride when you put on the pinstripes um, because you know they. It's not that not that you don't want to win wherever else you go, but it's almost is is you're expected to win every single game over there. And I think um, playing with that playing with that mentality every single day, man, was was really fun. Um, so it was it was just, it was good to be a part. Of, it was good to be a part of it. That's former Yankee and Braves outfielder Antoine Richardson here with us on Around the Diamond. Now I do have a, a, a short clip from one of the biggest moments in Major League history. It was Derek Jeter's last at bat. At Yankee Stadium, you were at second base. I believe you came in as a pinch runner, if, if I'm if I'm correct about that, and then eventually scored right. from second uh, with a base hit. So we're gonna play the clip, and I just want to hear your reaction right after it. <laughs> Number two, Derek Jeter. Number two. Well, the script is there. The last page is in Derek's hands. Meek deals. Base hit to right field. Here comes Richardson. Here's the throw for Marquez. Richardson is safe. Derek Jeter ends his final game with a walk-off single. Derek Jeter, where fantasy becomes reality. Did you have any doubt? And of course, Antoine, did you ever think, maybe a little bit of goosebumps coming back to you, but do you ever think that you'd be a part of such a big moment in, in Major League history? Um, no, you know, I mean, honestly, I think when you, and, and like just thinking back in terms of like growing up in the Bahamas, right, I thought that, you know, I would never leave that island, you know what I mean? And to be able, you know, a couple of years ago to be in one of the big, uh, biggest cities in the world, um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I never in a million years would have, would have, would have dreamed that as, as a young kid, but, um, definitely happy I had that chance to, chance to experience that. It feels kind of cool listening back to it. Um, you know what I mean? It 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 just kind of gives you like flashbacks to the moment, and it was a good moment. I mean, it was a happy moment. Uh, we won the game, so definitely, man, one of the better memories of in my baseball career, no doubt about it. And of course, right now you're playing for uh, Great Britain alongside Albert Cartwright uh, at the World Baseball Classic qualifiers. Uh, at the time that we're doing this interview, you guys unfortunately lost to Israel, a tough one. I had a chance to watch the whole game. And I mean, what's it like to be able to to play for at at the national stage against some of, some of the better players in the world? You know what? It, it, it's a different experience. And I was talking to a couple of guys about it. And I was like, I have a I have a different appreciation for this and a, and, a, and excitement about this. And I almost like you know, it's up there just just as much excitement as playing in the big leagues or even better. And I think because when you represent a nation and the fact is like we on this Great Britain team, we have guys from Great Britain, we have guys from Australia, guys from America, guys from the Bahamas and, and the magnitude that, that playing for this team represents in all these other nations and how many people you could affect. I think um, it just, it makes it very, very special, man. So I'm excited about it. Um, we had a tough loss tonight, but I, I, we have a good group of guys and I think we're going to fight. We're going to fight to the end and I think we have a good chance, man. So it's, it's just really exciting. It's really exciting being a part of this. Former Major League outfielder Antoine Richardson here with us on Around the Diamond. I want to ask you about maybe someone throughout your your long, young life 
through your young career going to now that may have helped you enough to get you to this point to make the major leagues and to become the player that you are today? Yeah. Well, you know what? I would say it was a guy by the name of Angelo Burrows, and he doesn't play anymore. He, he I think the highest level he got to it might have been double eight with the Cubs and the Braves. And um, he was uh, he was a Bahamian. He is a Bahamian, and he was he was before I got I signed. He was the the last guy to basically be in the minor leagues. And when when I saw him get an opportunity to get drafted, he kind of gave me the confidence to think that like you know it could happen for me as well. And you know do, going through my minor league career, he was he was always a sounding board and giving me advice and kind of telling me what to expect or whatever. But more than anything else, man, like being able to to witness him accomplish. His dream of playing professional baseball allowed me to believe that my dream was a reality. So more than anything, I think uh, this guy, Angelo Burrows, is definitely pretty influential in my baseball career. And of course, uh, leading on to this question, was there anyone that you might have looked up to uh, as a kid that you maybe modeled yourself after and looked up to to be almost like him when you eventually made it to pro? Yeah. You know what? No, and the only reason is, is because... You know, I I grew up, I was growing up, and I wasn't playing baseball. I wasn't playing baseball. I wasn't watching baseball. Um, but I was actually listening to it on the radio, and that's how I started to get into it. Um, and it was when the the I would listen to all the Marlins games in my bed in the Bahamas. It was all we get. And then I think the first time I watched uh, baseball was in, like, 1992 when the Blue Jays won the World Series. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, I'm going to be a Blue Jays fan. And so, uh, um that's how I kind of started watching baseball. But, like, you know, I didn't watch it a lot just because it wasn't a game that I played much growing up. So, you know, they've had the opportunity to be like, oh, I want to be like this guy or have an understanding of, you know, I maybe need to be like this guy. So, unfortunately, you know. Well, I want to, that's a little bit of a segue to this question, Antoine. Of course, you mentioned that you hadn't played a lot of baseball, but you're a switch hitter, and that is pretty hard to do. So, how did you be, end up becoming a switch hitter and, and learning how to do it? Um, well, when I was in junior college, uh, my first year at junior college, I kind of uh, toyed with the idea. My my college coach at the time um, was 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 confident enough and and allowed me to do it. You know, and I and I have to applaud him because you know it's tough in college when you're trying to win ball games and allowing a guy to, to develop. And so he gave me the opportunity to try it out. And it was it was a lot of rough patches, but it's still a lot of rough patches. But uh, you know it. Uh, I started then and just kind of stuck with it more than anything else. And I think, you know, just trying to see it through was what allowed me to, to to become a switch hitter. And talking about a switch hitter, I have a clip here to play about when you faced a switch pitcher, Toronto Blue Jays, Pat Venditti, you were up to the plate and you guys had a little uh, conversation or, or back and forth <laughs> of which way you wanted to uh, to hit or, and pitch. So I'm going to play the clip and then uh, we'll hear what you have to say about it. Okay. And he just motioned to Venditti, what side you're going to throw on? And now, he now he's got to go back. Yeah, he's got to go back and get the other helmet. Because Venditti waved his left hand, said, I'm going to pitch this side. And Antoine Richardson misunderstood him. He went to the plate as a left-handed hitter, looked up, and Venditti had the glove on the right hand. So now he had to go back and get his other helmet. <laughs> and now he's switching. Can they do that? I thought they couldn't do that. Oh, he was just teasing. No, no. So, of course, obviously, uh, not only in this video or, or in this clip can we can we tell that you uh, know how to have a lot of fun when playing baseball, but you're having a little bit of fun with Pat Vendetti. No doubt about it, man. Uh, actually, Pat's a friend of mine. We actually played together in the Yankees organization. Oh, okay. And uh, and he's actually really intense on the mound. Nicest guy, but really intense on the mound. So it's funny that that situation happened because because knowing him as his teammate, I know he probably was in his head like, "What's going on? Let's go. Let's get this thing going on." So it was kind of it was kind of funny to me, like that little comic relief that was going on because when he's pitching, he wants he wants nothing to do with laughs and smiles. So. <laughs> it was funny. Well, it wasn't spring training, but eventually they had said that you. So you chose to to hit right-handed, uh, and from playing with him, you knew uh, what was his dominant hand in that situation. Well, what happened is he he had to declare which side. He 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 has the opportunity to declare which side he wants to throw from, and once he declares it, um, then I get the side. I think I think the umpire was having a little fun with both of us and kind of teasing us both by. 
by messing around, to be honest. <laughs> well, it doesn't happen often that a switch pitcher and a switch hitter have a chance to play against each other. And that's going to wrap up this inter- interview. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Antoine. And best of luck uh, the rest of the way in the World Baseball Classic qualifiers uh, to yourself and to Albert Cartwright as well. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me on today. Welcome back to Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm your host, Diamond Dante, and joined in studio is Mr. Kenny Bryant, the second man from the Ottawa Champions to come join me in studio from Carolina. This time, Kenny's from the south side of Carolina, and uh, we welcome him to the show. Uh, Welcome to the show, Kenny. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, always a pleasure to have you on. Of course, we had Jason on in our first segment. You're coming on in our final segment and uh, let, let's just get them right before, before uh, you guys eventually leave. Which part? Of, you're from the south side of Carolina? I'm from South Carolina, yeah. They're two different states. So, but what's the city? <laughs> from Charleston, South Carolina. I think Char- Jason's from Charlotte, right? Charlotte, North Carolina? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. It's a nice place. Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, perfect. Um, so... Obviously, what is your uh, your initial reactions on the the championship? Did you think coming into this year that you guys would make it this far? Man, I had no idea what I was uh, what I was getting into. Uh, I know I talked to Billy Horn a lot, man, and we talked about me retiring in the off season and things like that. But uh, we were able to work something out, man. They brought me out here, and I had, when I first signed the contract, I had no idea that we'd be playing for the championship in the end. And of course, why don't you tell us exactly uh, about the off season? You, you were on the bridge of either retiring or playing and you've, you you decided to play you had the, your career season with a group of guys and you had said it before what was the difference between playing in Sussex last year and playing with the champions this season well yeah so last year I was in Sussex man and uh it was a different experience you know it was, it was their first year over there and um you know we had a lot of a lot of experienced guys a lot of had MLB experience and AAA AA just like everybody else and we came in with a pretty good team you know and I think um, <clears throat> the way they the, the way they did things over there was it was a little bit different than Ottawa. Um, it, it was you could tell that they hadn't had a lot of experience and things. I mean, and it was hard for everybody, you know, being in, in a in a small town and it's, it's kind of hard to get fans out out there and uh, you know, so it was kind of rough, man, kind of rough starting out. And then we ended up losing our manager. He had to go home and take care of some oh. some personal business. So so that that was the the beginning uh, of you know the rough start. And then after that, I mean, we, we lost our hitting coach. He had to go take care of family business. And, like, a rough situation took our, our pitching coach and trainer away. So, for a while, we just had we had one coach, man. We didn't have a pitching coach. We had a new hitting coach. That was it, man, for a while. Uh, but so it was tough, man. But but for the love of the game, man, we stuck with it, man. We, we grinded it out. We we ended up pretty good. I mean, we, I think we only won 30-some games. But it was fun. We had a good time. And. Um, so after that, man, I was, I wasn't sure if, if any ball was the place for me, you know, I, I, I tried going to some workouts some MLB workouts and talked to a couple of scouts and things like that. And, you know, nothing that panned out. So after that season, right after the last season, I, I was just like going to shut it down, you know, man, try to work, try to, try to get my, my real life after baseball started. And I got a call from Hal back, uh, in mid October, I think, and told him, talking about he was going to trade for me. And I, I told him I was excited. I, mean, I knew in the back of my mind that I still wanted to retire and everything. But I told him I was excited about the opportunity and that uh, that I'd still be thinking about it. And then eventually he called me back in, I think it was around January, we tried to work out a contract. And that was when I told him, like, I was going to retire, man. And, and uh, of course, he was upset. You know, he was upset because, like, they traded away two players to get me. And, like, I was supposed to be, like, a big key to the success of the team this year and things like that. And and so that kind of weighed on me. You know, I mean, like, it would weigh on anybody else. Kind of, I wouldn't say it put pressure on me, but it definitely made the decision harder. And then uh, I think Hal and Nick Belmonte, the, the players guy, and Billy, they called me, like, two or three more times. And finally uh, – Finally, we were able to work something out, man. I, I signed the contract, and I came out to Ottawa. And I think it's it's definitely the best decision I've ever made, for sure, for sure. And you speak about being the best decision you ever made. Was there anything that Hal said in particular that made you want to come uh, and play in Ottawa? Was it uh, them saying, you know, look at how nice the city is, uh, trying out Canada? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, playing for uh, for a new franchise as well. 
I think the biggest thing he told me was he saw me as a guy that that had potential to go, you know, I mean, to go to affiliated ball, and right. I think that that touched me a lot, uh, especially with the the players guy uh, Nick. He he's he's affiliated with the Cubs, so you know that was a a big uh, a big factor in my decision. Um, I mean, whether something works out or not, I mean, I'm still glad that I came out. I mean, that that was definitely a turning point. It's definitely a turning point in my career also, man, because, I mean, I've had some decent years, but this one by far has been the best. And you speak about uh, this being one of your best years, Kenny, of course. I want to ask you about the clubhouse chemistry. You guys had something different that, I, that you know, a lot of players hadn't seen. Adron Chambers, who had played on a lot of teams, had played in the major leagues, said he had never seen a team that bonded like this and that played for each other. And what can you say? Can you speak about that? The team itself and eventually going to win the championship with such a, a great group of guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with what he said, man. Because uh, coming in, like me, like, like there was a few guys that had been on the team last year, like Wilmer and Wilson and a couple other pitchers and like Cartwright. Um, yeah. But me coming in being a new guy, I mean, they felt like they, they welcomed me with open arms. Just like, I mean, I tried to welcome everybody else, you know. So uh, coming in, it felt like a, a family from the beginning. You know, the first couple weeks of spring training, man, I I, I struggled, man. I struggled, like, t- just hitting batting practice, you know, getting back into the flow of things. And, you know, it kind of carried over to the first two weeks of the season. Um, but but you could tell, like, even all the way from the top down, from, like, David, the the president, to Hal and the, the coaches, I mean, you could tell that they were going to ride with me. They were going to stick with me no matter what. And I think that uh, – that was big for me, you know, because even when I didn't have confidence in myself, you know, everybody else had confidence in me. And uh, like the players and teammates, they always tried to pick me up and things like that. And uh, I mean, it showed on the field, man, because after like those first two weeks, I think we went back down to Sussex and I hit my first home run or whatever. Right. And, you know, everybody was excited, you know, not excited that we won the game, you know, but excited for me that it gave confidence back to me. And uh, I mean, we all knew that I had it in me and I knew it had it in me, but it was I never thought I was going to come back out, you know, because I was in a little rough patch at the beginning of the season. But but uh, doing that, man, just those guys, they, they, they picked me up all season. We, we picked each other up, and it was amazing, man. It, it turned out well. I asked Jason this question, Kenny. If you can pinpoint one thing this year, other than, uh, for example, running on the field and winning the championship, the biggest moment for you, your favorite moment this season, what, what would you say? Oh, man, that's a tough question, man. Uh, I'd say... My favorite moment was that's that's a good question, Diamond. Yeah, yeah, man, I gotta think about it, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think my favorite moment for me personally was the last game. I mean, you, I know you said not the winning the championship, but definitely the last game of yeah. the championship, hitting that home run in the eighth inning. You know, just to give us all the boost because we knew it was a, it was a two one game, and we know they can score runs like like it's nothing. So. Uh, me just giving us a little extra boost at the end and everybody getting all excited knowing that we were on the edge of the championship, I think that was the biggest moment for me. Uh, how did you feel when that ball eventually left the ballpark to make it 3-1? Uh, well, when I hit it, man, I knew it was gone. I, I looked over at Jared at first base, and he was trying to tell me to, to sprint, like sprint to second base like it wasn't out of the ballpark. So I, I just I just looked at him, and I kind of laughed, and I was like, hey, man, that, that ball's way gone. That ball's coming <laughs> back. You know? so, so you can you can relax a little bit. And then uh, I gave Blanco – uh, the X sign when I run to second base because he's a bit he's from Texas you know he's a Des Bryant fan so oh uh, so so I had to I he's been wanting me to do it all year and I hadn't done it but maybe one time so that was I had to do it around at that time because it was huge now do you have Des Bryant on your fantasy team I don't man I, I'm trying to trade for him but oh uh, Coop has him right I think Coop I think Coop actually traded for him but I'm I'm trying to trade for him I got Gronkowski who put up zero points last night so that was that was rough. I got Des Bryant too. Des Bryant? Yeah. yeah you got that Panthers defense? Nah, Coker stolen from me, man. Oh. I, I have no, I have nobody on the. Pa- Actually, I have uh, Artist Payne, who's supposed to be good this week, man, because Stewart's out. But we'll see how that goes. Well, there you go, Kenny Bryant, not only a baseball fanatic, but also a huge football fan from South Carolina. And uh, that's going to end this one. Kenny, thanks so much for the season. Thanks for everything you did, not only on and off the field with the champions, and uh, we hope for a a successful offseason going back to Carolina. All right, man. Thank you. That was Kenny Bryan of the Ottawa Champions. Joining us here in studio, Jason Coker also joined us in our first segment. We thank Coker, Mr. Kenny Bryan. We also want to thank Taub Steve for talking some MLB and some Toronto Blue Jays. We also want to take 
uh, a big thanks to Antoine Richardson, who is currently playing for Great Britain at the World Baseball Classic alongside current Ottawa champion second baseman Albert Cartwright. They have uh, have a tough tournament ahead of them. We wish them the best of luck, but that's going to end the September 24th edition of Around the Diamond. Thank you so much for listening. You can check out my SoundCloud Diamond underscore Dante Audio. You can also uh, look myself up on Twitter, Diamond.Dante, for updates on the show and some past episodes. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. We'll see you next week.